Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Temptation won't end for us until Satan's done, and that's going to be when he's in hell, in the lake of fire, and we're in heaven. Could I hear an amen? Now, so what am I going to use? Write this down. Use the Bible to expose Satan's lies and temptations. Know the word of God. The more you know the biblical truth, that is not right. I won't do that. The more you know it, the easier it is to let the Holy Spirit help us to defeat temptation. Do you struggle to resist temptation? How well do you know the Bible? If you don't know that the Bible promises that if you resist the devil that he will run away, how can you resist? In this case, the saying knowledge is power is correct. Polls continually note that American Christians are woefully ignorant of what the Bible actually says. Pastor Mark is teaching that if we're going to have victory over temptation, that we must know what the Bible says. After that, we have to believe that it's true and that God meant what he said about Jesus' victory over the devil and over sin. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Peter chapter 5 with part 2 of his message, Living Hope in and Beyond the Battle. Now, how do I know that this prayer of Jesus was effective? Tell me what book we're studying. First John, right? Judas number one, right? What book are we studying? Okay, this is about 40 years later. Did the prayer of Jesus work? 100%. He's writing an epistle being used by the Holy Spirit. Here's the next thing you need to write. And we miss this one a lot. Prayer is the deciding factor in spiritual warfare. When we pray, it goes right to heaven through Jesus. And God loves to answer prayer against spiritual warfare. That is the deciding factor. That's why Jesus didn't go, hey, Pete, come over here. Let me give you some good words, baby. Come on, let's talk about what's going to happen. No, he says, I prayed for you. I know you're going to fail, but I'm going to restore you. I'm glad people are praying for me. Are you glad people are praying for you? Now, look at verse 9. Resist him, Satan, standing firm in the faith. The Bible never tells us to yield to Satan or to give up. It says, I personally have to resist him. Not your friend, not your wife, not your husband, not your pastor. You have to resist Satan. So write this down. How do I do that? Here it is. Resist Satan and stand firm in the faith, just as it says in the scripture, by obeying the word of God. As we study God's word, 
God grows our faith. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. As I'm in the word of God, it's building my faith. So resisting Satan comes from being in the word of God. Now, I want you to keep your finger right there in 1 Peter and flip back to James, if you will, James chapter 4. James was Jesus' half-brother. And he, it almost sounds like Peter when he's writing this. Of course, they knew each other. James chapter 4, look down at verse 7 in your Bible. Look at verse 7. Submit yourselves then to God. Step one, submit yourself to God. Step two, resist the devil. Step three, outcome. And he will flee from you. So James used the same principle again as Peter often did. He was always talking about submission. First thing that you and I are going to do, if we're going to be successful in defeating the enemy, I have to submit to God first. That simply means I come under his rule. An unbeliever will never defeat Satan. Because Satan against a human, we have no choice. We're done. We're finished. It's over. But Satan with a believer who has God living in him, you're defeated, Satan. So I have to first submit my life to God, his rule, listen to him and obey him. Now, one of the great schemes of Satan is called temptation. And it's in all kinds of forms. Let me just say this to you. A little story. A little girl fell out of bed one night and she began to cry. And her mother rushed into her bedroom, picked her up, put her back in the bed and said, honey, why in the world did you fall out of bed? And she said, I think I got too close to the place where I got in. All right, it's moving through the audience. You say, that isn't funny. No, that's a picture of a word that temptation does to us. It's called compromise. In the Old Testament, Lot and Abraham had to separate because they had too many animals. So Lot picked this really good place for his sheep and animals and all that. And he moved there. And it was right outside Sodom and Gomorrah, known as horrible, sinful city. So let's just say this is Sodom and Gomorrah. His first step was he just camped outside Sodom and Gomorrah. But that wasn't the end of it. The next step, we actually see him, and I'm not going to step down there, don't worry. We see him in the city, actually, right here is one of the judges of the city, in a totally ungodly city. So he camps near Sodom. The next thing, he's right in the city, in the middle of all of that. And the third thing is, Sodom goes right inside of him. That's called compromise. Now, notice when Satan tempted Lot, he didn't say, hey, you need to just knock on the door of Sodom. Tell them you're coming in. You want to be a part of their lifestyle. Lot would have said, no way. I'm never going to do that. My daughters aren't going to be affected by that. It's not going to happen. Let me show you how temptation works and how I, the reason compromise is Satan's greatest 
strength in temptation. Let me mention a word, pornography. Anyone that's addicted to pornography from day one said, this is what I want to do. I'm going to lose my marriage. I'm going to get arrested. I'm going to be miserable the rest of my life. That's exactly what I want to do. Thank you, Satan, for that idea. Alcohol, drugs. I can't tell you how many people that I've counseled over the last 50 years would sit in a chair across from my desk and say this, Pastor Mark, I have no idea how I got where I am. Well, it wasn't one big jump step. It's called compromise. See, and as we're all open to it, we just kind of, well, this isn't too bad. And pretty soon we go, how in the world did I get here? Well, that's that temptation. Satan is very wise. He's not stupid. He's not going to say to a person, you need to have an affair. Isn't it interesting? We don't call it adultery anymore. It's an affair. It's not funny. No person hears this from Satan. Commit that adultery. Destroy your marriage. Let your kids just fend for themselves. Come on, let's go for it. No, it's the man or woman that goes, wow, that person's attractive. Boom, boom. A little dinner won't hurt. And Anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Anybody? Oh, no, Pastor Mark, we're pure people. We have no problem. No, it happens where? Yeah, we've all thought it. Remember what Jesus said? If you even look at a person with lust. And by the way, that's not just for men. That's for women as well. Pornography is just as big a problem almost today for women as it is for men. So it starts there. That's Satan. Now, let me refresh some things with you because sometimes you don't understand this. Write this down. Huge in your Bible to write this simple thing. God tests us, but Satan tempts us. God never tempts us to sin. Understand this. God tests us. He provides a way through the test. He strengthens us so we can grow to maturity. It's just the exercising of our muscle. He tests us. Satan is the one who tempts us to lead us directly into sin at some point, And of course, away from God's will. Now, I resist Satan by refusing to compromise, to get too close to the problem. The Old Testament says, if I play with fire, I'm going to get burned. And so I realized the steps. I have to become smart. I have to, as Peter said, be alert. Kind of have your mind together. Now, resist simply means this. To stand firmly in a position and don't give ground. God said, no, I'm not going to do it. Now, let me explain something. Being tempted is not a sin. Everybody's tempted. Giving in to the temptation from Satan is a sin. Jesus was tempted. Now, remember, when he was tempted, what did he use? The word of God. The word of God. That's how he defeated. He said to Satan, uh, what you're asking me to do? It sounds good to me. That I'd actually, One of the things, remember, Satan asked him to do? Just bow down to me and you don't have to go to the cross. Now, Jesus knew what the cross was going to be. He knew how difficult it was going to be. And he said, no, 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 no. That's not why I came. The Father sent me to save the world. So he used the word of God. Now, be alert that you understand this. You say, well, Pastor Mark, how can I resist and defeat Satan? Well, before you became a believer, you didn't have any power to defeat Satan. Because realistically, 
You just were sinning. That's what sinners do. We were all born a sinner. But when you became a Christian, the Holy Spirit came to live inside you. And when the Holy Spirit came to live inside you, it is not just the Holy Spirit. It is God, the Holy Spirit. Anywhere the Spirit leads us, I just want to go there. I want to be followed by the Spirit. Remember, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Spirit. He was tempted. Now, let me say, when we resist Satan... Will Satan ever tempt us again? How many like to say, I'd like to see one time I defeat Satan, he'll never tempt me again. How many like to try that? Come on, put your hand up. Yeah, yeah. How many know that ain't real at all? With Jesus, he defeated him. Three temptations. And what does the Bible say? Satan left. But the Bible says, for another time to come back. So, see, this is not a one-time deal. Temptation won't end for us. Until Satan's done, and that's going to be when he's in hell, in the lake of fire, and we're in heaven. Could I hear an amen? Now, so what am I going to use? Write this down. Use the Bible to expose Satan's lies and temptations. Know the word of God. The more you know the biblical truths, that is not right. I won't do that. The more you know it, the easier it is to let the Holy Spirit help us to defeat temptation. Now look at verse 7. Resist the devil, and 25% of the time, he will flee from you. Okay, like three people only have a Bible? Are you looking at the Bible? You're trying to look at me. What does it say? And he will, 100% of the time, flee from you. What a great promise. What a great promise. Write this down. When we say no to Satan's temptations, Satan has to flee. Now, when am I going to say no to temptation? (laughs) Before I give into it. How many have a pet? How many have a pet? Dog, Lord help you, cat. How many have a pet? When you say no to a dog, what does a dog do? If it's a good pet. It just comes right back to you. Praise God. You say no a cat. That's a picture of Satan in temptation. I did that because I wanted a lot of email and Facebook because I'm getting lonely. So just Facebook me like great with your picture of the cat. And uh, eventually I'm going out to Denver and my daughter has a cat, Irv's. And when I get up early in the morning, the rest of the family isn't up. Irv's comes down to see me. And you've seen my picture before. I'll give you another picture. So, it's, so don't email me. I'm going to be all right. Now, now think about this. When I have the Holy Spirit in me and that temptation to just compromise mm, just a little, what is the Holy Spirit going to say to me? Don't go there. So what do I say to Satan? No. Let's practice it. No. And when I say it, empowered by the Holy Spirit, what can I expect Satan to do? He'll leave. Well, if he wants to, no, he has no power to stay. He is defeated in that temptation. Now, as I said, will it come back? Yeah. So I have to get used to saying what? No, 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 and no. Just to show Satan who's in charge, God, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Okay, now, look at verse 9. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because that you know the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. 
So Paul's writing to these suffering Christians and he's saying this to them. Basically, he knows that one of the things that happens when we're struggling in a temptation and we have things going in our life, it could be physical, it could be the marriage, you just got diagnosed with something that's terrible, it could be finances, whatever. When all those things are happening, Satan loves to come and discourage us. And the way he does that is he gets us thinking about who? Me. Now, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you've ever been guilty of this. Have you ever been guilty about saying something like this? Oh, poor little me. Let's just raise both hands and be honest. The rest of you, you've never felt sorry for yourself? I feel sorry for you right now because you're lying to me. Of course, you've experienced that. You're going through it. And here's what we say. God, why'd you allow that? There's nobody else in the earth that's going through what I'm going through. I just feel so bad for myself. Man, there's nobody else. And then what happens? You get a call from somebody. You go visit somebody in the hospital. You see this, you see that, and you go, God, forgive me right now. (laughs) Thank you. I don't have what they have. Oh, well, that's what Peter's trying to say to these people. Remember, the Bible says in Corinthians, no temptation has come to you. That is not common throughout the whole world. Quit the selfie stuff. So what do I do? What's Paul trying to say to these people? He's saying, you're not the only one that's suffering. The whole world is suffering if they're Christians. So what can I do? Well, I can pray for our missionaries because they're suffering. A lot of that suffering's in that area. You can pray for all of us that take short-term trips. I'm scheduled to do a trip to India this year. I'm waiting to see if that's going to be possible because of all the changes. Same with China. So we can pray for our missionaries. You can pray for church planners. You can pray for all these kind of people. Why? Because they're going to go through this kind of thing. God answers prayer. Now look at verse 10, 1 Peter 5, 10. Back to 1 Peter. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered, watch this, a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Peter ends the letter by sending encouraging words. He wants to encourage the people. I'm believing this weekend. I know it's already happened in two services. If you listen to God's word this morning, you will leave encouraged. You will absolutely leave encouraged. Because I want you to write this down. God loves to speak words of encouragement to us because life is tough. Life hurts. Life is painful for every single one of us. There's great times and there's difficult times. And Peter gets there. He knows they're suffering in spiritual warfare. But God's word is a comfort to us since the Holy Spirit is the author. He's another comforter. Now, Notice how he starts verse 10. And the God of all grace. Every one of these encouraging words I'm going to give to you are based in God's grace. They're there. God's grace. Undeserved favor. A gift from God that cannot be earned. I want you to stop and think about this. Where would you be today without God's grace? 
You don't even want to go there. I don't even want to go there, do you? We wouldn't be believers. If there's no grace, there's no believing. We wouldn't be going to heaven. It'd be hell on earth and then hell after death. But God gave us grace. There is never a day in our lives when we don't need God's grace. Now, I want you to write this down. You know this, but this is so important for us. Christ followers are saved by grace. And we live every day by God's grace. Every single day. Unmerited favor. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I I get the saved part. We're saved by grace, not of works. We can't ever get to heaven by works. I understand it. But what, what do you mean I need God's grace every day? Well, let me give you a scenario. We sin and we ask God to forgive us. Why does he forgive us? Because we're good or because of his grace? Because of his grace, undeserved, undeserved. And then we say this, I'll never do it again. And God goes, yoy vey. He knows us. And we ask forgiveness again. Is the first thing he says, uh, it was 48 hours ago when you uh, told me you would never do it again. Three strikes and you're out. This is the second. Have you ever heard that from God? No, he doesn't like baseball. Of course. <laughs> you will never hear that from God. When sin abounds, grace abounds more. So I need grace when? Every single day. Thank God for God's grace. That should be an encouragement to you right now. Right now, that should be an encouragement to you. Now, here's really what he says. Look at that verse again. Look at that verse, what he says. He says, he has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. What's what's Peter talking about? God has called us to spend eternity with him in heaven. If I'm a believer, that's where home is. Heaven is my home. So I want you to write this down. See the little E? That's encouragement. You'll see the little E in yellow. That's an encouragement to you. Every Christian should be encouraged with this this morning. Christ followers, our eternal life in heaven is secure. We're going home because we're good enough. I beat the curve. You didn't beat the curve. Sorry. Thank God there's no curve. It's called grace. I'm going home. Your eternity, your heaven, the place where you're going is secure. See, we have living hope because Jesus Christ died on the cross and was resurrected. I have hope. I'm not just hoping I get to heaven. The really word for hope is guaranteed, going to happen. Anybody encouraged that you have guaranteed place in heaven when you die? Anybody here? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That's exactly right. See, that's an encouragement to us. Even if we're now doing all of those kind of things. Pastor Mark today reminded us of the frustrations we feel when we fall into temptation. We were also told of the power within us, the Holy Spirit, who enables us to resist enticements to sin. It's such a relief to know that God is using these frustrating times to make us more like His Son. Knowing about the devil's schemes encourages us to pray for others, too. 
Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time ends the sermon, Living Hope in and Beyond the Battle. Pastor Mark will be teaching us more about resisting the devil. He will be telling us that God is ultimately in charge of everything, that he's the one who has already defeated Satan. We'll be reminded again that this life is short compared to eternity, so we can get through the trials we might experience here. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.